It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and I blinked and three weeks went by. We're already a quarter of the way through the season. Yeah, honestly, I I was thinking about, like, we have our, our schedule laid out in front of us, and we have our updated, like, big board rankings, and that's sneaking up on me. And I'm like, all of a sudden, it's going to be draft time. <laughs> like, it's just flying by, man. And uh, we're at the end of week two of the NFL, too. It's, yeah, it's going. Yeah, I'm finding myself, it, we're, we're almost shifting gears on the fly. This this whole phase two, I mean, it is uh, it is an immersion into the college football season, but at this point in time, like a lot of what we have said, and I tweeted this out, the drinking game for Camp Dynasty has been on my radar because that gets said 40 times an episode, and it's because we are accumulating these players. We are essentially, you know, we came into the year with this sort of preseason watch list, preseason rankings, but players are emerging every week and we're filing them away because this is not the evaluation phase of this process. I mean, I will not know my final, you know, NFL draft dynasty prospect opinion on a player until after this season's over and I get to really dive into the tape. And, and with that evaluation lens right now, it's just sitting down on Saturdays and having a good time. Yeah. It's, it's all like week to week. And my, my mind changes so much about these players from every game I watch, but you, you will find yourself looking back and being like, Oh, well, yeah, it was, he only had one bad game, but if that one bad game is in week two, and you've seen one good game and one bad game. It's like, I don't know about this guy. And then, so, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to, to looking back on, on all this as a whole and seeing how much we've overreacted and see how many bad takes we've had. Oh, yeah. You know that's going to be, <laughs> you know that's going to be the case. And I'm teasing it a little bit, this, this sort of shift or transitional mindset is going to come up later when we talk about a player uh, on today's episode. So there's your little teaser. But uh, before we jump into things, we're sort of initiating a new a new mini segment, I'll call it. It's sort of that morning meeting. You get up, it's, it's 8 in the morning, you got your coffee, you're still wiping the sleep out of your eyes, trying to get your bearings, uh, and you sit down. You sit down at the, at the head table there in the counselor's cabin and uh, we want to orient ourselves. So before we're jumping into things, camper of the week and all the badges and all of that, uh, maybe a few points to hit on before we jump into things. And one thing this week that I did want to bring up, and it comes straight off the heels of, of that conversation that we just had, is this idea of box score scouting. Because for three weeks or two weeks and and including today a lot of what we are doing here and what we will continue to be doing and through this quote-unquote phase two of the process is looking at how guys are performing at the college level how are you doing week to week we are specifically shouting out players 
that are having exceptional weeks. Now, we're also taking into consideration guys that we think are going to have uh, some sort of dynasty future. These guys are going to be drafted. We're not just pulling any name off the off the schedule if they had a really good week. But it, it comes down to the box score, and that is not necessarily a representation of the skill or the traits or the talent of the player. So one thing I did want to bring up here is while we are shouting out these stats and saying, you know, so-and-so had 190 yards receiving and blah, 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 that's not necessarily to say that that's what we're looking for in the in the prospect portion of this. This is simply, like I said, this is a sit down on Saturdays, collect a bunch of names to go into this phase three, the draft season portion, with a, a group of players to start watching, to start diving in and, and sitting there and saying, what can you be at the next level? Definitely. It's it's a they go hand in hand you obviously want your guys to have gaudy numbers you you want because you want them to dominate at the college level it's all all comes down and you know the analytics people give you the dominator rating and the early breakout and that's when you put up those gaudy stats at a young age and that that's important but at the same time it's important to see if the players are good, even like despite their situation. And so a lot of these guys do have gaudy stats because like if a guy puts up 191 yards in a game, it's likely that they're playing well. So at the end of the day, it's like, can you look at the numbers and decide if this player is playing well? Not always. Can you look at those numbers and have that inform your opinion and then go watch the tape to decide if those numbers are inflated, if they're empty calorie, if they they really mean something or not, and then you can ma- have that inform your opinion wholly on a player. Yeah, exactly. And box score matters. It, it, box score doesn't matter until it does and that's yep. something that's going to come up on this episode, I think, where we talk about some of the players who maybe we haven't seen it out of through three weeks, which is in a small portion of the college football season. So uh, it, it's it's a factor, but like I said, by the at the end of the season, it it essentially starts brand new for me. Like I I take what I learned from the season and then I dive in because I am still a believer that. The tape doesn't lie, and that those guys you mentioned across the lake, they think you can look at a breakout age and a dominator score and figure out who the next guys are. Maybe there's some merit to that, but at the end of the day, man, I I'm still the the one to subscribe to. We're gonna we're gonna grind some film and figure it out. Right, but at the again, this all comes back to dynasty fantasy football, right? And in order to score fantasy points, you need to fill the box score, baby. And so it's all, it's all a big flat circle and it's, it's, but yeah, at the end of the day, if you're not good at football, you're not going to see an NFL field to get a chance to fill the box score. Let's put it like this. I watching football this weekend. I was thinking a lot about this. 
the how much does this matter? Because I've never watched college football this closely. Like I don't I don't remember how some of these top guys, guys that I loved as prospects, how did they do in college? And I looked at the 2019 wide receiver class because that's become a famous group of players. Almost every single guy that I pulled up had pretty gaudy numbers. Like they were doing very well. Then you had a guy like Terry McLaurin, who his senior season, his last season, hit 700 yards. And that was the best he did at Ohio State. And look what look what happened. So it's it's a blend, right? Most of these guys, most of the top prospects are going to be dominating at the next level. That doesn't mean that every player that's dominant in college is a good prospect, but most of these guys that are that are really talented are going to be able to do that. But it's not a it's not a, a foolproof way of looking at it either. If it was foolproof, I don't <laughs> think there'd be any, as many. Uh, no draft issues with uh, some of these players but exactly yeah yeah so just a little little of a bit of a precursor or a prelude to uh what we're going to be talking about today and through the rest of the season as well but just wanted to throw that out there uh anything for the meeting this morning no i i just wanted to talk about that that was that was on my mind as well yeah all right cool then let's dive right into it campers of the week for week three and i'm gonna let you kick us off here uh mr 101 (laughs) this this one was was easy for me he went out uh, against utsa Bijan robinson he had 183 yards on the ground 19 yards to the air and a hat trick this was a, a statement game out of my Heisman pick. Uh, and, yeah, he hasn't been disappointing at all this year. There's There's been a few guys that may have been at the top of our boards that haven't lived up to the, the kind of hype that we gave him in the preseason. Bijan has looked just as good as I expected him to. And now that they lost Ewers, they're going to be leaning even more on him to, to carry the load of that Texas offense. And given what happened in this game, he's he's ready to carry that load. Yeah, I mean, this honestly goes right into the conversation that we were just having. Because he's been doing great this year, but he hasn't been filling the stat sheet. I mean, you look at the top rushing numbers in college football, I mean, Bijan's not amongst the top players right now but he's looked good and this it was only a matter of time before he had a week like this and we shouted this game out Longhorn Network you know screw you but Bijan took over this game against UTSA like you said and I mean he had some he had be there were the Bijan plays I mean there's a reception that he's making four guys miss there's the long touchdown runs I mean he, he had it all working this week, and this is the Bijan. This is the guy that's going 101 uh, next summer. Absolutely, yeah. You mentioned that he had some of those Bijan runs. Uh, the, the least impressive run that he had was his career-long run of 78 yards to the house. That, that one was pretty tame in terms of Bijan Robinson highlights where he just hits the hole – and just kind of runs past everybody. That one was pretty boring. But he had a couple where he, man, the change of direction out of Bijan 
and then the burst. And like you can't tackle them unless you have two guys. There, there's not a. I don't know if there's a guy in college football that can tackle Bijan Robinson one on one, other than maybe like Will Anderson, because yeah, Bijan was just a freak doing freak things uh, against UTSA, and yeah, my camper of the week. First camper of the week honor for Bijan. Dare I say? It probably won't be the last. We got a, <laughs> got plenty of weeks left to get another one on the belt here for Bijan. Um, but we are going to have some repeat names today. Another little teaser there. That's cool. After last week, <laughs> we're introducing a pool of new players. But um, all right. Well, how about how about let's do it? <laughs> how about let's let's do a repeat right now? Because my camper of the week, <laughs> it's my guy. It's Rasheed Rice. Because Rasheed Rice has taken over college football this year. This is your leading receiver in all of college football. I mentioned Bijan. He's not at the top of the stat sheet yet. This guy is when you talk about receiving. And how did he get there? Well, after two really, really strong performances, one of which earned him a badge here at Camp Dynasty, he came out against Maryland. So uh, another game, a little fun one that I shouted out. And if you ended up tuning into it, you weren't disappointed because it was an absolutely thrilling game that Maryland pulled out. But uh, Rashid did everything he could for the Mustangs. It was 11 catches on 19 targets, 191 yards, and he didn't score. But he also left about 30 yards on the table because he caught a, a deep shot on the sideline uh, but didn't have control when he stepped out of bounds. So he, he's a little bit of a bobble away from a 220-yard performance here. And he had some unbelievable catches in this game through contact. There's one where he's double-covered. He soars over two guys, makes a, a nice high-point catch. I mean... This guy went from, I'm going to be keeping my eyes on you as like, you know, maybe he's a late flyer, you know, the, the, the quintessential third round dynasty pick, the guy yeah. that you want to steal to I'm sitting here thinking, is this guy for real? I mean, everything I've seen of him tells me that he might be better than I thought he was initially. And that might mean he's a top wide receiver in this entire class. Yeah, and th- this is where the split happens between like advanced box score scouting and watching him play. Because you watch him play and you're like, God, this guy is incredible. You look at the stats, it's like, well, it's three per th- three yards per route run. It's you know, uh, a dot is is twelve. It, it's it's fine, but then then you you put on the tape. And it's like, oh, okay, this guy is is dominant. He he commands nineteen targets a game, and or in this game, he commanded nineteen targets. It's not just like, oh, I'm gonna toss it Rashid's way because of this that. No, he earns every target that he gets. Yeah, and this, I mean, this SMU offense led by Tanner Mordecai. I mean, it's they're throwing a ton every week. I mean, he's getting these. 
130 plus yard performances because they're, you know, he's getting 12, 15, 19 targets. But like you said, I mean, this was his most impressive game of the season, just from a tape standpoint as well. I mean, 191 yards is impressive enough, but like I said, he's making contested catches. He was, he was, you know, he had the, the deep shot down the sideline. He beats one-on-one man coverage. Then there's tons of instances where he's just he's finding a nice spot in the zone, work in the middle of the field, working underneath. I mean, he didn't line up in the slot a ton, but he was kind of mixing and matching a little bit. Eight of his uh, snaps were in the slot, and he was winning in some of those reps as well. So versatile guy, like I said earlier, I mean, whatever episode that was, he's a good good after the catch. Um, but I think he's more athletic than I gave him credit for initially. I think he's I think he's a he's a very athletic player. Uh, like I said, had that couple really nice vertical leaps to snag some balls over guys. That was really cool. Is because he's a bigger he's one of these bigger guys. You know, like we said, he's not six three, but he's maybe six one, uh, and he's playing big. Yeah, I'm excited to see if may if like. Obviously, he's putting together crazy good numbers this season. He's almost at his like career high for a season already. His uh, most yards he's had in the season is 682. You mentioned that before. Uh, and he's already at 489 through three games. So he's well on his way to break that. And then if he puts together a crazy productive season and then – Given what we're seeing out of him athletically, if he can go dominate the combine, there there's a world where he can start moving up draft boards. I mentioned this senior bowl. Watch yep. out for this kind of guy at the senior bowl because this is where the stock goes flying up for a guy like this, where he's putting up these huge numbers, but maybe he's flying under the national spotlight and then he comes there, he goes to Mobile, and suddenly people are like, damn, that guy had a really good week. So. All right, uh, moving into the badges then. Give me your first badge of the week. My first badge is the Heisman Hopeful badge. Uh, that is for the probably Heisman front runner C.J. Stroud. Uh, Ohio State played Toledo, and C.J. Stroud's stat line looks like they played Toledo. Uh, it's a little better than I expected it to be, honestly. It, they just kind of wiped the floor with him. He had 367 passing yards, five touchdowns, perfect QB rating. I mean, he he was he looked like he was playing seven on seven. It, it was literally he just was moving in the pocket, like he couldn't be didn't have a care in the world. Nobody was even bothering him. He nothing and he's making throws everywhere uh marvin harrison obviously looks incredible jsn still working back from the hamstring obviously isn't right yet but yeah cj stroud just dominated this game did what he was supposed to do we talk about that when we talk about playing against inferior opposition uh but yeah he he looked the part of a a real quarterback yeah, I CJ Stroud. I mean, we know that these Ohio State quarterbacks put up these sorts of numbers. This is no surprise. I mean, we've seen this for years. And it starts to it creeps into your mind a little bit where it's, you know, scout the player, not the helmet, but we have seen so many of these Ohio State quarterbacks that just 
they're not quite right. And Justin Fields, the jury is out, but it's he he was the best of the bunch that I had seen and you know, so far we're seeing those struggles. But Shroud is doing everything that he needs to do this year to put himself in the position to be the number one overall pick uh, next spring and to be a top uh, dynasty quarterback prospect as well. And no throw uh, sums up his performance this week better than the on the run. He's, he's running to his right and he hits Julian Fleming in the corner of the end zone in a absolutely microscopic window. And Fleming toe taps it for the touchdown. And it's like, that is the throw right there when you see that and you're like, okay, this guy has it. Yeah, there there was another throw that I really liked where their running back was running a wheel route up the right sideline. And he just dropped it in the bucket. It was like, it. he wasn't super covered. But it's, it's not an easy throw to make where the safety is on his way down. You got a linebacker trailing and then a corner kind of pushing towards him. And he just dropped it right in there, caught him right in stride, let him get another 15 yards after the catch. It's I, I understand that Ohio State pumps out these guys and they all have inflated stats and they have incredible skill position players. But the types of throws that C.J. Stroud makes are what makes him a – a elite quarterback prospect in this class it's it's not about uh, again it's not about scouting the box score it's not about the 367 yards of five touchdowns though that's nice to see it's it's about the the fact that he can make the touch passes on the sideline he can put it on the pylon in the back corner of the end zone he can thread it over the middle it, it's a lot of different throws that cj Stroud can make Listen, I was a big Justin Fields fan. I loved that quarterback group, which is still leaving much to be desired at the NFL level, but Stroud is a better passer right now than Fields was in his last year at Ohio State. I mean, that is I you could argue with me that Fields has the better physical tools, maybe even the better arm talent. But as a yeah. passer, Stroud is better than Justin Fields. So that's where I'm at with him. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I, I love Justin Fields too. He he was my favorite quarterback to watch coming out. I I thought Trevor was the best quarterback coming out. That wasn't a hot take. Uh but yeah, Fields was just like so super electric and he still shows those flashes. I mean, that bears a weapon group is putrid. So I don't expect like it's hard to go into a game with a ton of confidence when it's like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, uh, Byron Pringle, Equinemius St. Brown and Amir Smith Marset. It's like a bunch of just random guys. And so I, I, Again, like you said, jury's still out on fields. I, I don't want to blame him, and I don't want to put him in this bunch with the Ohio State quarterbacks, uh, and hopefully him and him and Stroud can break the mold. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I guess I didn't mean to like make this uh, Justin Fields like poo-poo party, but no. um, it just kind of goes into with what I was saying earlier, which is like 
it's at we're at the time now where you start to think about these things in a little bit of a bigger sense like when we get done with this season and i'm thinking about my final eval of shroud i'm starting to think about like damn i mean he looks better than justin fields did i mean justin fields was like very raw as a passer mm-hmm. and honestly so is trevor lawrence so it's like not really a surprise that those guys haven't caught on like bang bang um but yeah i i love what i see out of shroud so far this year and obviously the weapons help quite a bit absolutely um all right well we're staying in the big 10 for uh this my first badge and it is the comeback badge a very easy uh badge to dole out here because this one's going to mohammed ibrahim uh who yep i did my homework i'm not making that mistake no (laughs) no no go sick no yeah mohammed ibrahim so a little bit of background, uh, Big Ten running back of the year as a junior in 2020, being regarded as a you know fairly significant running back prospect potentially, uh, but he comes back for 2021, his senior season, and in the first game of the year, he ruptures his Achilles tendon. This was after already going for 163 yards. So there was a lot of question marks about this guy because we have seen the toll that an Achilles can take on a running back. And it goes one of two ways, you know, so far uh, when you talk about the NFL level, is it Cam Akers or is it James Robinson? You know, it's, it's very, it's, it's not an injury that you want to, that you want to play around with basically. Like if this happens, it's, it's kind of worse than an ACL at, you know, and um, so Nobody really knows what, what to expect this year, but he's getting the comeback badge in week three because this week he went 23 carries for 202 yards and three touchdowns. Now, was this his breakout comeback performance of the season? No, because the first two weeks he was over 130 yards in each of the games. He has started the season as if he never missed a damn beat. And I am ready to rock with this guy for the rest of the year and through the entire process because he is so much fun to watch. He is the prototypical power back. He is the bowling ball. He has that exact frame that you think of when you think of running back. 5'10", 220, 225, just a a a beefy dude just running through everybody he's not a pass catcher that's not what he does he is just there to make people's lives miserable and that's what he does and i am all for it and i i am i'm all aboard ibrahim baby yeah let's uh, let's have a chat about the achilles injury because i think it's very very interesting the way that it it has kind of evolved the idea of an Achilles injury. At one point, it was debilitating. It wasn't that long ago where it was just like, if you have an Achilles injury, it's a wrap. You're you're going to lose all like explosiveness in that leg, which makes sense because it's basically you got a, a sheath of uh, fascia around your calf. It turns into a tendon, and it wraps around the bottom of your foot. So it's it's basically a spring that allows you to lift your foot up and push it down. And so if you tear that, you're going to lose that burst out of that foot. And so I think the reason it affects 
guys differently is because of play style. If you look at a guy like Cam Akers, who is so athletic, so bursty, so twitchy, and then you look at a guy like James Robinson, where it's pick my spots, get my dirty yards, and then pop one every once in a while, I see a lot of more of the James Robinson build in Ibrahim. Ibrahim? Yep. Okay. Uh, Ibrahim, then I'd see a bursty explosion. Like if uh, a more, like a say, knock on wood, I'm going to do a bad thing right now. If oh, Zach God. Evans oh, were oof. to tear an Achilles, I know. I, I've, it would affect him a lot more because of that sheer pop that he has in his game versus Ibrahim. It's I'm going to get five yards of carry and I'm going through your chest to get it. I'm going to hit my hole. I'm not going to dance and you're going to pay for it for meeting me in the hole. And so I, I, that's kind of how I feel about the Achilles injury. It's getting more manageable to come back from, but it seems like, the less explosive you are, it's almost easier to recover from. Yeah, that's a good point. And that, I mean, it's, it's, uh, people were, I mean, people had no idea, basically. Like, this guy was almost written off. Like, he was this, you know, prospect, NFL prospect that suddenly it was like, what, you know, is it, is it over? Like, nobody really knows. And, uh yeah through three weeks man he is he's kicking ass i mean like and mentioning him kind of as that bruiser that you know uh in in that sort of a role that allows him to maybe come back from that injury better i mean you're talking about a guy who uh this week in a 202 yard performance had 140 of those yards after contact he was making the colorado defense's life miserable all game long and i think he didn't even play the full four quarters so he yeah i i'm it's from dynasty perspective you love to see the guys who catch passes right that's what we look for every single year guys who don't do it get docked but sometimes being a really talented runner is good enough and this guy is going to score some touchdowns at the next level if if that is where he's destined to be yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was getting six yards per contact on every attempt. So that that kind of tells the story of, yeah, this guy is not going down easy. And so uh, well-deserved from Muhammad. Let's go. Let's All go. right. Uh, give me your next badge, topical player. Oh, I also uh, want to mention that I bet Muhammad's under on this game. And I bet it was the over, and only yeah. one of us won. Yeah, uh, it was it was one hundred twenty nine and a half. I was like, ah, that's a lot of yards. He had one hundred thirty two yards in game one, one hundred thirty in game two. You know, he gets two less yards, and I'm hitting getting money, and then he goes for two hundred two and three <laughs> touchdowns, and now we're talking about him. So, uh, I'm happy that I, I lost money on that one. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, Zach Evans. Here he, Here he is. is. Getting my bounce back award. Uh, unfortunately, we don't talk about the, the naming of the badges beforehand. So come back and then bounce back hey. right back to back. There, there it is. <laughs> it's like poetry. Uh, yeah, last week against Central Arkansas, Zach Evans didn't have a great game. 
Uh, only had 53 yards on the ground and no yards to the air. Uh, this week, bounced back. He had 18 carries for 134 yards and two scores against Georgia Tech. And he's just, he looks like an NFL player playing against college players. He is seems faster than everybody. He has the, the burst that I mentioned before. The cuts, Zach Evans' cuts are just clean. There's no, it doesn't seem like there's any wasted motion in in the way that he runs. And uh, again, has, has another fumble. That's not great. Uh, but 134 yards on 18 attempts. Good for 7.4 yards per carry. He, yeah, he just looks like uh, my running back two in this class. Now, the fumbles is that's frustrating because it's you hate to see that because you've you've just seen it derail guys before and you know nobody's taken Zach Evans off the board because he has two fumbles through three weeks. But I mean, if you want to stay on the field, you want to be a premier NFL player. I mean, unless you're Adrian Peterson, normally the fumbles is kind of a no go. So. Um, definitely something you want to see him clean up. But outside of that, man, this is a player that we thought he was going to be. And this is a player that has the first-round running back traits that we've talked about before. I mean, he's not Bijan, man, but from an athletic standpoint, he's pretty close, uh, just as an athlete. And so if you have traits like that and you can move like this guy can at this size, yeah, he's he's doing all the right things, hold on to the ball, but other than that, He's doing the things that we wanted him to see in this Ole Miss offense, and he's playing his way right to a nice, juicy, high round one ADP uh, for Dynasty. Yeah, I, I honestly don't don't have a ton to say about Zach Evans other than We've like, said a lot about him already. Yeah, <laughs> like th- this is the exact player we expected him to be. You can't say that about a lot of the guys no. in this class. This class was so hyped up that it was – it's hard to meet those expectations, but there's a few guys that have, and Zach Evans is one of them. It's the running backs. The running backs have been have been balling out, living up. The wide receivers have been a little bit disappointing so far. Some of that's injury-related. Some of it's not. But, um, yeah, I mean, a guy like Zach Evans we've been talking about since the very beginning, and we're going to be talking about for a long, long time uh, up until through next summer. So, um, all right, well, next badge then is a guy that we haven't talked about, and I can't even guarantee that we will really be talking about him, uh, but he's doing too damn much to not get his name in this conversation, and that's Charlie Jones. He's getting the more exciting than his name badge because <laughs> good old Chuck Jones is playing like a real baller for the Purdue Boilermakers this is a sixth-year senior, and I couldn't find his age. But as a sixth-year, you're assuming he's 23, maybe even 24 by the time he would be, you know, by the time the draft rolls around, if that's where he's going to end up. Um, so he's an older guy, but he's on his third team now. He started with Buffalo, then he moved to Iowa. Uh, and now he's with Purdue, like I mentioned. But before this year, he was primarily a return specialist. He was a, a an award-winning Big Ten returner. Um, he was lauded for his returning abilities even out of high school. 
Um, that was one of the ways that he he uh, made his production at Buffalo right away. Um, but now something has been unlocked in Charlie Jones, and he has become an unstoppable force as a wide receiver. Um, Aiden O'Connell, the Boilermakers quarterback, and this guy went to high school together. And so if there was any sort of friendship or camaraderie between those two, it is showing up now six years later because uh, O'Connell can't stop going to Charlie. Uh, this week, 11 catches for thir- uh, on 13 targets uh, for 188 yards and a score against Syracuse. I'm watching this game to watch Sean Tucker, and I keep seeing this guy doing stuff. And I'm like, who the hell is this guy? Um, but it's not his first it's not his first rodeo this year. He's been over 130 yards receiving in each of the first three games of the year. Now, this is kind of one of those deals where the box score and the tape are not entirely matched up. But I'm giving Charlie a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here because uh, when you watch his film, he's not the most refined route runner his his footwork is a little sloppy a little predictable he's not getting open like he's not gaining a ton of separation he's making a lot of contested catches this is the uh, and now i'm just going on more and more side tangents but drake london who gets all these contested catches and people say he can't separate well guess what he was making contested catches because his quarterback was throwing him into those situations guy like Charlie, he's not separating very well. And that's why he's ending up in these situations, but he's catching a lot of those balls. So, uh, it's, he, it's, it's an interesting guy. It's a guy to keep on the radar. I mean, you don't want to say that a sixth year guy is raw, but if he's a primarily been a returner and he's kind of bounced around and things like that, like maybe he's just starting to get his his footing at wide receiver now, and maybe something is clicking and, and he's a legitimate talent. I'm, I'm glad you went on a lot of side tangents. Cause I, I honestly just don't have a ton to say about Charlie Jones. Uh, I, I haven't caught any Purdue games. And so I, I honestly just don't really have an opinion on Charlie Jones. He's putting up a ton of numbers, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm just going to trust everything that you say because, uh, I, I can't uh, have formulated my own opinion. I'm, uh, feverishly searching for Charlie Jones age (laughs) right now. I've been, uh, searching the web. I'm trying to find somebody, uh, tagged him in an Instagram photo said happy birthday. And I was trying to see if maybe I could find out what birthday that uh, anyway, that was next level investigation right there. (laughs) Um, honestly, it's perfect. It's perfect that you're saying that. Cause that is who this player is. It's who's Charlie Jones. Well, who's that? Yeah. The, the returner from Iowa. What's he doing? Like, that's what this is right now. And I don't think many people are ready to, you know, sit here and say like, Oh, this guy is legitimate talent. Like, like I said, watch the film. You're going to see a lot. He's leaving a lot to be desired as a wide receiver, but you cannot deny the production. I mean, it is every week at this point topped off this week with his best game of the year in a, in another thrilling game, a close game with Syracuse. I mean, I, you, at at some point you kind of just have to say guy can ball and, and that that's good enough for me at this point. 
Okay, so Charlie Jones, he uh, came into college in 2017. Uh, so I I started college in 2016. I'm 24 years old. So that would put him. Would he be? He'd be either be 23 or 24 years okay. old. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that that's a uh, so yeah class of 2017. So okay. That, that's that's the best uh, intel I got on Charlie Jones, but. I mean, you don't walk in to 476 receiving yards in three games by accident. That's all exactly. I can say about Charlie. Exactly. And it's just, you know, oh, he's six years, he's dominant. He's an old player dominating at an older age. Like, I mean, look at the guy. He doesn't look dominant. <laughs> like, he's not a physical specimen player. Like, he's just he's just getting open <laughs> over the middle, and, and when he's not open, he's making crazy catches, and it turns he's, into he's 180 just... yards. He's just Charlie Jones. He's just Charlie Jones. <laughs> All right. Uh, give me your uh, last offensive badge of the week. So I have one of my favorite players. Uh, this is the Mountain Man badge for my guy playing in Wyoming. Titus. <laughs> I was like, wait, what the fuck am I going here? Uh, Wyoming, uh, not known for the mountains. Colorado gets all the love, but uh, most of Wyoming is covered in the Rocky Mountains. It's a it it it's a rectangle. Doesn't get a lot of credit. Gorgeous state. Go there once, the, only once though. Don't wow. have to go there more than once. A lot of Can't love for Wyoming. The on location in Wyoming, make it happen. Whew. I would love to. I don't think they have Wi-Fi though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but Titus Swin, yeah, uh, I've talked about him before. And he had his best game of the season against Air Force. Had 102 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Also had two catches, which uh, they've been getting him a little bit involved in the passing game, which he wasn't in the past, which is nice to see. Uh, Already has four receptions on the year. Only had six last year and three the year before that. So he's getting there. (laughs) Uh, not, not Not a very good pass catcher so probably probably something you could ignore but Titus Wen looked great in this game he again it's like he's just relentless as a runner it's over and over again where he's hitting you he's hitting you he's hitting you he breaks one and this seems to happen every game he had three runs of 10 or more yards two of them went for over 15 I mean he and then the, the the highlight of the day is the touchdown, where he gets basically stonewalled for a one-yard gain and then kind of rips through that guy and then carries a few more, four more yards into the end zone. So Titus Swen, uh, maybe not an elite uh, fantasy you know, asset, but an interesting name to keep on your radar to maybe take later in your dynasty drafts as that running back flyer. Those guys matter, and especially at the running back position, because what we know about running backs is that opportunity is king. And yep. a guy like Titus Wen, I mean, he's got some he's got some heart. He's got some power in his game. Like you said, that play, go check it out, gets stopped, but then he doesn't get stopped. He yep wills his way across the goal line. So when you see a guy fighting like that for extra yardage and and running with that much power in his lower body, 
yeah, that's that's an impressive uh, impressive player in his first 100 yard game of the season this week. So he's he's get he's this clicking. guy the ball. Get, get, feed Titus, baby. Feed Titus. Uh, yeah, that quarterback situation still not looking great, and they they rotate like four running backs in. I I it's sick I, that I watch Wyoming games, but I <laughs> every week I check these games out and I'm like, God, this is a, they they beat Air Force seventeen to fourteen, and it so, looks as bad as it sounds. It was <laughs> it was a gross game. Uh, it's just it's good to have that that team that's got your guy, and it's just like, why are you watching <laughs> Wyoming? I'm watching Titus, man. Just Titus. leave me alone. Leave me alone. Yeah, until he fumbles and gets benched. Yeah, well. Ugh. Two weeks yep. free of fumbles. Um, all right. Well, my last badge on the offensive side, staying at running back. It's been a, it's been a theme. <laughs> it's been a theme this year. The running backs are balling out, like I said. And how about another new name into the mix? Uh, we got Dwayne McBride from UAB. He's getting the PFF Warrior badge. <laughs> how about that? Because... I my love hate relationship with PFF is well documented. I might take this opportunity to go on a small rant about it um, because we use PFF on the show because it helps paint some color into what we're seeing on a week to week basis to make it very easy to talk about and digest in an audio format. Now, is it a replacement for watching the games? seeing the players, knowing what you're talking about at an evaluation level. it's No, it's not. And I saw the other week the uh, the beat reporter for the Jets was tweeting out all the Jets PFF grades from week two, I think it was. Um, and everybody in the comments was like, you fucking idiot, PFF, what kind of loser uses this stuff? This is blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it's like, well, I mean, it's, it's, I don't think it's intended to be an all or nothing. Like I, just because somebody is graded as the best in the week, didn't mean they were necessarily the best in the week. It's just a way to say, Hey, okay. The guy had a strong week. And so anybody, you can't go too into it and you can't ignore it completely. It's, we're trying to use it as a median, as a, as a marker to orient ourselves around these players. Now that rant aside, why is McBride getting my PFF Warrior badge? Because Dwayne McBride has had a couple of seasons now uh, where he was one of the top-ranked backs, top-graded backs from PFF. So this is his third season. Last year, 1,366 yards, 13 touchdowns for Dwayne, and he had a 90.5 run grade from pff so and and his first season was a you know he didn't get the rock as much but he had a 93 grade so pff's all over this guy and this week he had 223 yards on 28 carries and four touchdowns now guy was very productive last year he missed week one with an undisclosed injury. Week two, 172 yards. This week, 223 yards. He's picking up right where he left off. And, and PFF likes him a lot. 
Now, I'm not sitting here, like I said, I'm not sitting here and saying, oh, PFF had him as the highest graded running back. He's the best running back in the class. What I'm saying is I watched him, and he's not the most explosive runner, not the fastest guy. He's another one of these bruisers, bruiser-style backs. He's not catching passes out there. He's not making any crazy breakaway highlight runs, but what he is doing is breaking a shit ton of tackles, being super hard to take down, and showing off some pretty impressive vision. Uh, 167 yards after contact this week against Georgia Southern. So McBride, another one of these guys, maybe not the highest ceiling running back, but a, de- a definitely a talented player. And that's why we're talking about this running back class being super, super deep. It extends to these kind of guys. Just because this guy's not a first-round dynasty pick, maybe even not a second-round dynasty pick. This guy might be a fifth-round NFL pick for all I know at this point. He's got talent, and that's a little bit different than what we've seen in the last couple years. Yeah, let's talk about PFF. (laughs) So, so. This is a guy that PFF likes, Dwayne McBride. And, again, you mentioned he had like a 90 and a 93 the last two seasons. He starts off this year super strong. 172 yards, game one, 223, five total touchdowns. And he gets a 56 grade in week one and a 67 grade in week two. And... I just so so this is where I become a, a little off put by by PFF because the PFF grade takes I don't know what into consideration they just like it's like oh this it's red he played bad <laughs> you know it's like I I don't know and but all of the underlying numbers this is this is why I like PFF is because it tells you yards after contact it tells you the what kind of run types they're doing. If they're running the zone scheme and the gap scheme and a man blocking scheme, it tells you how many breakaway yards it has. It, I mean, for wide receivers, it gives you yards per run. It gives you a dot. It gives you all, all the, the stats that I care about that are underlying with players. And then they slap this grade on them and they're like, yeah, this is, I mean, he had a 67 grade. He was fine. Like, he had 223 yards and four touchdowns. He's better than, you know, average. And so that that's where my beef comes in with PFF. Uh, I mean, I, I don't have a ton to say about McBride, but, yeah, PFF in general. I, I like their advanced statistics in general, like the individual advanced statistics. I just uh, don't love – the actual grades and like how they're they paint the bigger picture yeah completely agree i mean the grade is very nebulous like what what is that what what are they doing there and i mean nfl players have come out been pretty critical of it um but like you said there's there's some context to glean from some of the other numbers that they provide and sometimes even the grade itself uh maybe that's just to confirm your own biases but uh whatever um (laughs) What I'm saying is, if uh, if UAB is is on your TV, look out for number 22 because he's got he's got a little bit a little bit of talent. Absolutely. Um. All right, defense, baby, IDPs. Who is it this week? Uh, not a new name. 
Not, I'm not here to reinvent the wheel. Uh, some players are just good. And Drew Sanders is one of those players. I I wanted to give him the same badge that I gave him last <laughs> week, but I thought that'd be kind of boring and, and bad for content. Uh, so I gave him the Freaky Fast badge because Drew Sanders, he... This is the, the Arkansas linebacker. I talked about him on a previous episode, number 42. Uh, he is just everywhere, every game. I gave him the magnet badge last time because every time a play ends, you either see, like, number 42 getting up from making the tackle or number 42, like, right there next to the play happening. And it's just – he had – this week he had 12 tackles, one and a half sacks. And we talked about him as a linebacker, as a box linebacker. And the fact that he can line up on the defensive line and go after the quarterback. And in this game, he had one his, – his half sack was just a straight bull rush from the inside technique and just bull rushed a guard into the quarterback and then got a half sack out of it. And then his second sack was – a design blitz where he just hit the gap between the guard and the tackle and got a clean sack. And he just he just continues to look extraordinarily impressive. He continues to fly around for this Razorback defense and make a ton of plays. And I, this, this guy is climbing up my boards as one of my top defensive players. Uh, we talked that there's not a lot of linebackers in this class worth – talking about in the preseason that that has has changed for me with with Sanders he has been one of the more impressive players that that I've seen yeah I'm glad you brought him up again because I had an opportunity to to dive in and take a look at this player after what you had said about him last week and man it's real it's real he is he I I don't I hadn't heard this name anywhere going into the season. Like I I don't know if this was a guy. I mean this like we said, it's an Alabama transfer, but I don't know if he was on this level at all uh before he got to Arkansas. And he is that versatile like I'm gonna say this, but I'm not I'm not trying to make any <laughs> comps here. But like think about Micah Parsons Mm. like Micah Parsons is a generational athlete at the linebacker position I am not making a comp here but what I'm saying is Drew Sanders is being moved around the defense in a way that kind of mirrors how we've seen Micah Parsons use at the NFL level which is he's flying all around the field and then he's getting just put on the edge and turned into an edge rusher and he's winning I mean, when you have a guy with that much versatility and, and athleticism at the linebacker position, I mean, that, that's a guy who's, who's making himself some money at the NFL level. And if, and if that is the case, if, if we're seeing the rise of Drew Sanders in the NFL draft, then he certainly becomes that can't-miss style of an IDP player. And, yeah, he, he had a, a couple really nice plays in this game. He actually had two and a half sacks, uh, not one and a half. A, a correction on that. But he had a play where the the running back was 
kind of, you know, it's that stretch style play where they're stretching out. He's waiting, waiting for a hole. He cuts back. Drew Sanders is mirroring him on the backside. And Drew Sanders sticks his foot in the ground, just lifts him up and plants him on the ground. And that that's the kind of play where it's like, okay, you have the pursuit, the change of direction, and you can stick a running back in a hole. Even if you're a little, because he's a little wiry because he's six mm-hmm. five, he's six five two thirty two. So he's not like a beefy linebacker, which is why he can kind of move around and do a lot of different things. Uh, but he's, I mean, it's it's crazy that he plays most of his snaps in the box, and he's tied for second in the nation in sacks. So he has five and a half on the season. And he he just has looked great all year. It's undeniable production. I mean, these defensive guys, that starts to become a little bit more and more important because it's like you're talking about an off-ball linebacker that can suddenly switch into being a premier edge rusher? Like, what? Yeah. And he's fiery. He's a fiery dude. He plays with passion out there. You like to see that from these guys. Um so, yeah, I'm all aboard, man. Drew Sanders, you've converted me. <laughs> um, well, how about my IDP who doesn't really need any sort of conversion whatsoever? This is no. the Mr. Do-It-All badge for the IDP, William Anderson Jr., uh, who this week, yeah, it's for, for Will's standards, it's been a bit of a slower start. For him, I mean, like, I'm not saying that he's been bad. I'm saying this is a guy who could have won the Heisman as a defensive player. He's off to a slower start this year. But this week, he gets a sack against Louisiana Monroe, and he also gets a pick six, baby. Run it in, rack it up. Will Anderson, you love to see that little cherry on top of his skill set. But, yeah, I mean, I like I said, I mean, from the from a pass rushing standpoint, you know, we'll, we'll see. He's he's ramping up. He's ramping up. But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we got him into the show. So that's what I'm here for. Yeah, Will Anderson is still the best defensive player in the nation. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that he's been bad this year. It's just the the numbers aren't really reflecting what he's been doing. And, I mean, that's the core of – what we talked about in our morning meeting, that is where it kind of bears fruit. It's like, is Will Anderson elite? Obviously. Is he putting up numbers like Drew Sanders? No, he's not. And I don't expect him to because Will Anderson is in the right place at the right time. And a lot of the time, his job is to force guys a into a bad place so a teammate can make a play and he's a a lot of times setting an edge he's a lot of times setting a contain and in this game he obviously has a sack and then he gets to have his moment where he gets the pick and runs it in for that for the touchdown so uh will anderson still good at football don't think we forgot about him absolutely there it is on the good side of things Now it's time to make some calls home. Colin, 
Who are you calling this week? Man. I was I was waffling. There's there's a few guys that I could have called home about. Uh but gosh, there's just it's it's been a disappointment. We've we've talked about the prime nature of the running back position in this class and how none of them have disappointed this season. At least the most of the top ones have performed how we expected them to. That's not the case for the receivers. And I I considered a different guy that was also a wide receiver, but I decided to go with my preseason wide receiver three. Kayshawn, he's back on the call list. He had 31 yards against Mississippi State. I mean, it's it's just he I, – I was using the excuse that he wasn't getting used in the slot. It's bad offensive game plan. He got thrown more in the slot this week than he has all season. Uh, I mean, 20% of the, the snaps that he played were in the slot, and he still turns out three catches on seven targets for 31 yards. Uh, it's a little concerning so far. It's been three pretty unceremonious games in a row, and, I, you know, it's... I'm I'm starting to to feel a little, a little worried about Kayshawn. What do you think? So the box score mat doesn't matter until it does. Yeah, that's that's what we're having with Kayshawn right now. Because I mean, at some point you you run out of excuses for a guy like this, and you know, at the end of the day, it's all about the talent. It's all about the athletic traits. But you're talking about a guy who potentially was a top half of round one type of a guy and a dynasty, easily a top four or five dynasty pick. And suddenly that guy can't figure it out at, at uh, the, to start this season. And then there's all sorts of drama tied with his name as well. And you're really not sure what you're getting at this point. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you, there's no more excuses for, for Kayshawn. We got to start seeing this production that we said before the season, we said, we need to see the tape on this guy. We need to see the, the numbers meet the traits. And so far that is not what we've seen. And if that's happening and if that was already a concern, then, then it starts to seep into your uh, ideas about what the player is. And like you said about usage, I mean, the slot usage is increasing, but he was in the slot almost 50% of the time last year. It was 47%. So maybe that's factoring in, but if, if you have that much talent, if you're a top 12 NFL draft pick, it shouldn't really matter where you're lining up for the most part. And so I'm I'm running out of patience for booty. I'll say that. Yeah, you and me both. I mean, I had him three on on my uh, preseason board because I, I I saw the talent, but the 
the numbers just weren't really there. And so I was like, oh, I'll preliminarily have him at three, and he can prove me prove to me that he deserves to be higher than that. And uh, so far, that's not been the case. I'm making a call home for one of my preseason top five wide receivers as well. We're doling out badges left and right to these running backs, and the wide receivers keep getting called home. Quentin Johnston, Kayshawn's gotten two. How about Jermaine Burton? Because Jermaine Burton was supposed to enter the Alabama offense, guy that didn't have a lot of production at Georgia. He blame the scheme, blame the quarterback, whatever. He goes to Alabama, you're like, okay, this could be Bryce Young's number one guy. And I said it at the time. I was like, hey, listen, this is a lot of projection. Putting him ahead of Addison and, and other talented guys in this class, I'm I'm saying to myself, you know, there's a ton of projection here. And so far, nothing. Almost nothing from Jermaine Burton. I mean, this week was a one-catch, two-target 16-yard performance, and and that's off the heels of a two-catch, 10-yard performance. I mean, that's that's not going to fly. I'm sorry. Like, there's a point where it's like production doesn't matter, but then it's like the Alabama offense against Louisiana Monroe, and you got two targets? Like, that's something's not right with that. So... We taught, we said last week, like you start to mentally reconfigure your rankings already just based off of a few weeks. But a guy like Burton, I mean, it's really easy. It's really easy to say, okay, I was projecting a lot out of you and you have done less than that, less than that by a mile through three games. So uh, see you later for now. I mean, I, I don't know what to think about Burton. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. After week one, he had those two touchdowns. He didn't get a ton of yards, but it was like, okay, well, he's obviously going to be a uh, highlighted piece in the red zone where you're you're going to see this guy getting a ton of targets down there. And he had seven targets in week one where it was like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's going to be the guy. I mean, the yardage will come if the targets are going to come like this. And since then, it's been a whole lot of nothing. And we talked about Kayshawn where it's a lot of projection based on talent and uh, flashes. And it was even more of that for Burton. And so far it has not been, not been great for, for Jermaine Burton. Yep. So the wide receivers continue to leave a lot to be desired. Once again, reminding us how spoiled we were with the 2022 class. And maybe this class that I said was above average. Maybe it's just average. Maybe, maybe that's okay. Maybe these guys just aren't quite what we wanted them to be, but um, all right, let's dive in, run through some of the week three where are we here week Week three four week four week four games uh real quick run through some of these um the early window is popping get up watch game day lock in because the 11 a.m window i got three games to shout out here we have the maryland terrapins one of camp (laughs) dynasty's favorite teams 
Going up against the number four ranked Michigan Wolverines, who we haven't really talked much about, uh, but Blake Corum is a running back there with, with some talent. Maybe we'll get him on next week if he can down the Terrapins. That is on Fox. Yeah, I I was actually looking through Michigan. I I was doing a little box score scouting myself. I was like, okay, who had uh, you know big games this week? Who could I watch some film on to prepare for this episode? And I was like, God, Michigan has just been so good this year. And it's not a single guy that dominates for this team. It's just a full team. You know, everybody's pitching in a little bit. A lot of guys are getting carries. A lot of guys are getting receptions. So this is a, a very well-rounded team and a really tough challenge for uh, our Terrapins. Uh, also, 11 o'clock. This one's really fun. How about the number five, Clemson Tigers, going to Wake Forest, 21, 21st ranked Wake Forest. Sam Hartman is back in business. Another good week. This week, week three, um, and take it on Clemson. That is 11 a.m. on ABC. Yeah, Wake Forest has been a pretty fun team to watch. Uh, Clemson has been better than I expected, and uh, we'll see if uh, DJ can keep the, the redemption arc going. More Camp Dynasty favorites here at the in the early window 11 a.m on espn u that's how you know it's gonna be a a niche game how about tcu and smu so the battle of preseason wide receiver number three quinton johnston and mid-season wide receiver number three question mark rasheed rice Yeah, this this will be a fun one. Should be a lot of points going up on the board in this game. Hell Hopefully, yeah. uh, Quentin Johnson can uh, make some stuff happen here. Guys, got to figure it out. We'll be talking about him next week, if not. Um, <laughs> all right, number twenty, Florida. Anthony Richardson, man, he's been falling apart, Ooh. but can he get it together against Hendon Hooker, Cedric Tillman, and the 11th-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. That is 230 on CBS. Going to be a lot of orange in this stadium, (laughs) Tennessee and Florida. I I love uh, Tennessee's jerseys, by the way. I love Florida's jerseys. This will be a nice aesthetic game to watch. But, yeah, Anthony Richardson, after being camper the week, week one, has looked pretty bad the last two weeks and I, I had the call home last week I d- debated doing it again this week but yeah we'll see if he can get it together against the volunteers how about drew sanders and the 10th ranked arkansas razorbacks we're tuning in for drew this week that is a <laughs> must happen uh and that is they are going up against your favorite team number 23 texas a&m 6 p.m uh, on espn uh, I, yeah, my favorite team, the Aggies. Hey, Shane had a nice game this week. It was fine. It wasn't wasn't that good, but I we're okay. Uh, Arkansas, KJ Jefferson too, uh, playing pretty well on the other side of the ball. Uh, seems like they lost Traylon Burks and they gained offensive competence. Yeah, that they did. Raheem Sanders, another name to potentially watch be watching the Razorbacks closely. Might have some names to bring up next week. But uh, grand finale then. It is 6.30. ABC, the primetime game of the weekend. 
The Wisconsin Badgers face off with C.J. Shroud's Ohio State Buckeyes and Jackson Smith and Jigba specifically calling this one out because he's coming back from the injury this week, slower performance, letting the other talented guys do it. Let's see the Jackson game this week. Yes, sir. This should be a fun game to watch. This is one that I will absolutely be tuning into. Uh, there's the there's so much talent on on that Ohio State team, and then Wisconsin. I mean, Braylon Allen's just a joy to watch play football. I I love obviously being from Wisconsin and always rooting for Wisconsin. We've had this steady churn of running backs coming through. You know, starting with Monte Ball, rolling through now to JT, and now we got Braylon Allen up next. Uh, it's it's looking like it should be probably a blowout in favor of Ohio State. Uh, Graham Mertz would love to see something out of him. Uh, but, yeah, Ohio State, ton of weapons. Hopefully we can get a Jackson Smith and Jigba return game and, and see a, a big one out of him. There it is, week four slate, cooking right along. Like I said, get up early, game sort of taper till we get to that grand finale there at 630. Uh, yeah, you can tune into Texas versus Texas Tech if you're, uh, <laughs> if you're bored around that in-between window. Bijan, Watch Bijan. Bijan always a draw. Tune yep. into that. Um, but all right, so that covers – week three and the look ahead to week four which means that it is time to gather around for campfire stories uh so i i think i might be aboard the stetson bennett bandwagon oh god the mailman wheeling and dealing. No, uh, I don't think Stetson Bennett's very good, but he's good enough to run this Georgia offense and facilitate and game manage with that incredible defense. And that's basically all I got for Stetson Bennett. He's but, just been – what's up? But what if he is good? That's the question. That's That's where it's like – he was showing me a little something with his feet that I haven't really seen from him before where he was getting out of the pocket and he made a couple guys miss on the way to a touchdown run. I mean, I don't think he's actually good, but I think that this uh, he, he's looking great in a lot of blowouts. They... I mean, you watched him in the national title game, and you're like, oh, boy, they're going to have to win in spite of this walk-on loser. But <laughs> he looks like a different player this year. He does. I mean, we're talking like Heisman front runner question mark, and with that comes a certain level of can you actually play? So... I'll be watching. I'll be watching some Stetson tape. I think sooner rather than later, just to make sure that I'm not going insane and that this guy's, <laughs> you know, actually the walk-on loser that I thought he was. But <laughs> no, he's looking better this year. That's for sure. No, he he is, and I, I just you know I want to throw him out there. We haven't really talked about him at, on this show because 
I don't think either of us really see him as a dynasty fantasy football I, prospect at I all. I didn't see him as a prospect, period. <laughs> right. And Until so, suddenly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he he's obviously leading the number one team in the nation, and he's looked pretty pretty solid. And, yeah, just wanted to give him a little highlight in our campfire story section. Stetson, gather around, <laughs> buddy. Come in here. Make yourself a hot pot. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, so I don't know if you noticed this, but we're walking around camp this week. Did you see any new faces, guys you didn't recognize? Because I had the, I had some future campers in this week, showing them around, say, hey guys, how's it going? Because while this is all fun and dandy, the 2023 campers love these guys, love them a lot. I had to make some phone calls and bring in some of our future campers so that they could see where they're going to be living because we got guys right now in college football that are taking over the sport that we are not talking about on a week-to-week basis because they are not draft eligible. I am talking about guys that we already referenced one of them, Marvin Harrison Jr. might be the best wide receiver in all of college football. Emeka Egbuka, another guy. I mean, Ohio State, keep pumping them out, man. Yep. Those are 2024 guys, the wide receiver group next year for for Ohio State. How about Brock Bowers? Potential top 10 NFL draft pick. Potential top three dynasty pick as a tight end taking over this week. And then I'm watching Penn State and Auburn this weekend, and I'm like, who the hell is the running back with the Saquon build wearing (laughs) blue and white? That was Nick Singleton. That man is a freshman. He is a five-star freshman, and he looks like Saquon Barkley as a Nittany Lion. And I am starting to get a little bit hot and bothered by what we are going to be talking about with this man in two years, 2025, if you put that one on the, the slow burn, Nick Singleton's name. Yeah, there there's situations where I – that Florida State has a receiver. Uh, also, his name is escaping me, but he's a freshman, and he's like 6'5", and had like 160 yards last week. And I was like, man – we're going to be talking about just incredible class after incredible class for years to come. It's like these the athletes aren't getting any worse, I can tell you that. And you see that with all the guys you mentioned. And we mentioned Braylon Allen, too. That He's like 18 years old. He couldn't even smoke a cigarette before this year. Couldn't, like... And he was the best, like one of the best running backs in the nation at 17 years old. He's not going to be able to drink alcohol his first two years in the league. Like this is going to be one of the premier dynasty assets, uh, and he didn't even make your short list. So did, yeah, exactly. And yeah, Brock Bowers is a, another one. Stetson Bennett's favorite target. He is a freak. This this guy, if Kyle Pitts went number four, you, I don't see Brock Bowers going very far outside of the top five. But, I mean, maybe Kyle Pitts is a cautionary tale by that Ooh. point. 
Yeah, so I had to bring in those guys this week and, you know, hope you got to say hi to them while they were here, but they're gone now. They're back, and we won't see them for another year, some of them too, but love those guys. And that is our week together at Camp Dynasty here. Another week in the books. God, I love camp. It's so fun to be here amongst the trees and the stars. Beautiful. Beautiful. Been a little overcast the last couple of days. Yeah. Well, hoping for some brighter days ahead for some of these wide receivers, especially. But. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, another fun week here at Camp Dynasty. Thank you for joining us and have a great week.